Today we are looking in the book of 2 Chronicles, not 2 Corinthians, not the New Testament, but the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles chapter number 21. 2 Chronicles chapter number 21. Read verse 1, and then we're going to skip down to verse 20. 2 Chronicles chapter number 21. Read verse 1, and then we'll skip down to verse 20. It says, And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram his son reigned in his place. Look at verse 20. He was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem eight years, and to no one's sorrow departed. However, they buried him in the city of David but not in the tombs of the kings. I'd like to read verse number 20 from the New Living Translation. It says that Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. No one was sorry when he died. Wow. No one was sorry when he died. I'm using for my subject or the title of my message today is No Mourning at the Memorial. No Mourning at the Memorial. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the word of God today. And Father, we thank you for the incredible opportunity you have to share with these people every Sunday and every Wednesday night. Father, thank you for an incredible group of people that you have brought together and placed under our care. Father, I just pray today, Father, that we will live our lives in such a manner that we will leave, leave an incredible legacy and there'll be much mourning at our Memorial, Father, we ask these things for the glory of God. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Wow, how sad. How sad is it, friend, to live 40 years and yet not one single tear is shed at your funeral. Not one single person is sorry that you are dead. What kind of a life would have to have been led for this to happen? Well, let me point out five things about the life of Jehoram that caused his life to end without anyone mourning at his memorial. Listen to me, friend. When I die, I want lots and lots and lots and lots of tears to be shed at my funeral. Oh, hire mourners if you have to. Fake it if you must. But ah, I want there to be weeping and wailing. Ah, be happy that I'm in heaven, but be sad that I'm not with you anymore. Fact is, I just don't know how in the world you're even going to be able to go on without me. Seriously, this morning, can you imagine? Can you imagine a 40-year-old, not, not 90, not 95, not 100, but 40 in the prime of life, dead, and no one mourns at the memorial. Five things about his life that kept people from shedding even one tear when he died. First of all was his marriage. His marriage. Jehoram was married to Athaliah. Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel was evil on steroids. 
Take the most wicked, the most evil, the most vile, the most conniving woman that you have ever met. Multiply by a thousand. And there's Jezebel. And Jehoram had Jezebel for his mother-in-law. Let me just take just a moment this morning and talk to those of you that are not married. If you're not married this morning, let me see your hand wave at me this morning. Let me, let, let me talk to those of you this morning that are, not, that are not married. First of all, let me tell you, there's something far worse than not being married. And it's being married to the wrong person. You see, your marriage partner can either make you or they can break you. And so before you consider marrying someone, look, let, let me, and I don't have time this morning, I need two hours for this, but let me, let me just tell you that before you consider marrying somebody, look at four things. Four things. First thing you need to look at, look at their mother and father. Before you marry someone, take a look at their mother and their father. Because this is who they are going to look like and act like in 25 years. Kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody said the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. I said, yeah, neither does the nut. <laughs> and let, let me talk to you fellows today. Hey, hey fellows, the economy uh, that she was raised in is the minimum economy that she's going to expect from you. So before you get married, look at their, their mama and, and their father. Number two, look at, look at their mentors. Look at their mentors. Who, who are their heroes? And who is it that they look up to? And, and who do they go to for advice? It'll tell you a whole lot about them. Number three, ask yourself, or number three, look at, look at their money. Yeah. Before you marry them, look at their money. Now, I didn't say count their money. I didn't say count their money. I said look at their money. I'm not talking about an amount. I'm talking about how do they spend their money. Because how they spend their money will tell you what their priorities are. You see, what they truly love and what is truly important in their life is what they're spending their money on. You say, where do you get that? I got it out of this book I found a long time ago. Jesus said, where their treasure is, that's where you'll find their hearts. Honey, if he isn't spending any of his cold, hard cash on you, he doesn't love you. At least he doesn't love you enough for you to commit your life to. Because where his treasure is, there is where you'll find his heart. And number four, before you marry, number four, look at their master. Look at their master. Who is in charge of their life? Is mama running their life? You're in trouble. Especially if mama's name is Jezebel. <laughs> Who's in charge of their life? Is it mama? Is it daddy? Are they running their own life? Or is God? Is God in charge and the master of their life? Friend, if Christ is not the master of their life, don't marry them. The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So before you marry someone, ask those four questions. There's a host of others we don't have time this morning. Back to Jehoram. Why was there no mourning at the memorial? The first reason was his marriage. He was married to the devil's daughter, and she made life miserable for everyone around her. Why was there no mourning at the memorial? Number two is because of his misuse of power. 
his misuse of power. His very first act after becoming king was to kill all six of his own blood brothers. His father had given all six of his brothers great wealth. He had given them great gifts of silver and gold. He had made them governors over individual cities. But as firstborn, Jehoram was given the kingdom. Now we're not told the reason why he killed his brothers, but we can speculate. Perhaps he wanted to make sure that no one besides himself would have a right to the throne. Perhaps he was insecure. Perhaps he wanted to get back all of the silver and all of the gold that his father had given to them. Oh, oh, he had the kingdom, but this wasn't enough. How many understand greed is never satisfied? But for whatever reason, Jehoram misused his power. Hear me this morning. People in authority must be very, very careful how they use their power. They can use their power to bless or they can use their power to curse. They can use their power to lift up or they can use their power to beat down. Jehoram misused his power and therefore no one became endeared to him. Another reason there was no mourning at the memorial was because of his mismanagement. His mismanagement. Jehoram inherited a kingdom that was, that was thriving. His father, Jehoshaphat, was loved and, and revered and respected by all. He was one of Judah's greatest kings. Oh, oh, the kingdom literally thrived under his leadership. Not so with his son Jehoram. Everything that he touched turned sour. People that were for them during his father's reign turned against them in his reign. Oh, what his father had gained, he managed to lose. Oh, what his father had gathered, he scattered. Think of it like this this morning. What if you work for a, for a certain company and, and under its present leadership, the company was flourishing. It was, it was thriving. Oh, oh, the employees were paid well. Oh, they were given bonuses quite frequently. There, there was health insurance for everybody. There was a retirement plan in place. There was vacation time. There was holiday pay. There was sick leave. There was annual raises. Oh, life is good for all. It's a time of prosperity. And then the CEO steps down and another CEO comes in power. And he begins to make drastic changes. He, he starts cutting benefits. Oh, he lowers the people's pay and increases their workload. Oh, he makes some very foolish business decisions. Oh, he begins to cut the quality. Oh, he begins to lose clients. Things begin to turn south in a hurry. Oh, all of a sudden morale declines. Every single day is worse than the day before. Down, 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 down it goes. This CEO would become very unpopular. And so it was with Jehoram. His mismanagement was bringing down the kingdom. His father handed over to him a thriving kingdom, but he lost most of it through mismanagement. Can you see why there was no mourning at the memorial? Here's another reason. Number four, his merging. His merging, unlike his father who followed after God, Jehoram, influenced by his ungodly wife, Athaliah, promoted false gods and false religion. 
Because his father, oh, Jehoshaphat, followed after God and followed after the ways of the Lord. Because of that, his kingdom had the blessing and the hand and the favor of God upon it. Because Jehoram failed to follow after God, to follow after the ways of the Lord and the ways of the teaching of his father, but rather chose to follow after the false gods of his wife's family. Not only did God remove his hand of blessing, not only did God remove his hand of favor, not only did God remove the heads of protection that he had around the kingdom, but God began to work against them. We find that in verse 16 and 17. If we'll look back to our text, 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 16 and 17. Moreover, the Lord stirred up. Who did? The Lord stirred up against Jehoram, the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabians who were near the Ethiopians. And they came up into Judah and invaded it. And carried away all the possessions that were found in the king's house. And also his sons and his wives, wives so that there was not a son left to him except Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. Can you even get a mental picture of the difference in, in the kingdom of Jehoshaphat and the kingdom that Jehoram had? Can you imagine the difference in in having God on your side and having the favor of God and having God literally fight your battles for you or on the other hand having God be against you and fight against you? It's getting a little bit clearer to me now. I can begin to see. I can begin to understand a little more readily this morning why there was no mourning at the memorial. The fifth reason this morning and that was His misery. Can you imagine how miserable Jehoram must have been? Down, 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 down goes the kingdom. Every day was worse than the day before. Can you imagine the morale around him? Can you imagine the complaining and the criticizing? How negative the morale must have become. How when your father was king, no doubt he heard a thousand times. When your father had the kingdom. And then the misery that came to him by the hand of God's judgment. Verse 12 through 19. Let's read that. And a letter came to him from Elijah the prophet. Saying, thus says the Lord God of your father David, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat, your father, in the ways of, the, of Asa, king of Judah. But because you have walked in the way of the kings of Israel and have made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot like the harlotry of the house of Ahab and also have uh, killed your brothers, those of, of your father's household who were better than yourself. Behold, the Lord will strike your people with a serious affliction, your children, your wives, and all your possessions. And you will become very sick with a disease of your intestines until your intestines come out by reason of the sickness day by day. 
We read this earlier, but let me read it again. Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram, the spirit of the Philistines and the Arabians who were near the Ethiopians. And they came up into Judah and invaded it and carried away all the possessions that were found in the king's house and also his sons and his wives so that there was not a son left to him except Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. After all this, the Lord, who? The Lord struck him in his intestines with an incurable disease. And then it happened in the course of time, after the end of two years, that his intestines came out because of his sickness. So he died in severe pain, and his people made no burning for him like the burning for his fathers. Wow, can, can you even imagine what he must have been like to be around? To see the kingdom dwindle, to see the kingdom go down to near nothing, and then to get ill and to get a sickness and a disease that is very, very painful. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the misery that he must have have known? And can you imagine what he must have been like to be around? Friend, it is pure misery to hang around miserable people. Miserable people make everybody around them miserable. Think about it this morning. To be miserable and to be king at the very same time. How many people did he influence? How how many people did he make miserable? No wonder this morning there was no mourning at the memorial. No wonder not even one tear was shed when he died. And friend, not only did not one tear be shed at his funeral, he wasn't even buried as a king. No honor was bestowed upon him. Friend, how sad to live 40 years. To live 40 years to die in the prime of life and yet no mourning at the memorial. Five things contributed to this. I think his marriage, his misuse of power, his mismanagement, his merging, his misery. But here's where I'm going this morning and that is What will our memorial service be like? Will there be any mourning at our memorial? I don't know about you. I can't answer for you this morning, but I I don't want my life to end like Jehoram's did. I I don't want people dancing on my tombstone when I die. I don't want the church to be empty. I don't want people to be whispering, the world is a lot better off now that he's gone. I don't want the preacher to have a hard time trying to find something good to say about me. And friend, I don't want to live such an uneventful life that I leave no lasting legacy. To die without honor. Like Jehoram. I love the following poem. I've given it to you before, but I love it. I love it. Let me share it with you again. It says, there was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. Oh, he never sang or prayed. And when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived, they claim he never died. This morning I want to give you nine tips. Turn to your neighbor with eyes crossed and say, did he say nine? 
Very, very quickly this morning, I want to give you nine tips on how to live your life so that there will be guaranteed, there will be mourning at your memorial. Number one this morning, manage your life well. Manage your life well. Friend, you're going to be, if you live long enough, you're going to be many things in life. You're going to be somebody's child. You're going to be somebody's mate. You're going to be somebody's parent, somebody's grandparent, somebody's friend, somebody's employee, somebody's employer or supervisor, somebody's mentor. If you live long enough, you're going to be a lot of different things to a lot of different people in your life. And you're going to be given many, many opportunities to influence people. So friend, help and don't hinder. Promote and don't pull down. Praise and don't pound. Friend, live your life so that all that are affected by your influence will be better off because they came in contact with you. They will, their life will be better because they had an association with you. The second thing you need to do is major on the positives. Major on the positives. Friend, there will be good and bad that will happen in all of our lives. Major on the good. Focus on the positive. Nobody likes to hang around a negative person. Somebody that's always singing the blues. Somebody said, I understand that an extreme optimist may see a light where there is none. But why must the pessimist always run and blow it out? Proverbs 15 and 15 says, for the despondent every day brings trouble. For the despondent, for the down and out, for those that are singing the blues. Every day will bring trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. The third thing you need to do this morning, if you want to ensure there will be mourning at your memorial. Number three, master your temper. Nobody likes to walk on eggshells. Have you ever been around somebody that you just had to, you know, tiptoe through the tulips or walk on eggshells everywhere? You, you had to guard everything, what you're going to say or whatever. No, no, you know, nobody likes to walk on eggshells. Nobody likes to be around a walking time bomb. You know it's going to go off. You just don't know when. But the wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 14 and 17, A quick-tempered man will act foolishly. And he said again in 16 and 32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. We're talking about how to ensure there will be mourning at the memorial. How to live our lives all in such a manner there will that we will be endeared to people. There will be a group of people that will love us. There will be a group of people that will want to be around us and want to associate with us and want to hang around with us. The fourth thing, manifest compassion. Manifest compassion. Nobody likes the hard-hearted. You know, those that show no mercy and no grace. People like this often make statements like, well, they had it coming. (laughs) Well, it's their own fault. They made their own bed, now let them lie in it. Good enough for them. 
Why did they do that? What were they thinking? How much better to be a person that manifests compassion? Friend, even if a person is in a jam due to their own unwise actions, they're still in a jam! And have we not made unwise decisions? Have we? How many, let me hear you, see your hand this morning, you've ever had a day of stupid? How many's ever had a month of, no, it's okay. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 in the Living Bible said, You shall be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward one another. The fifth thing you need to do this morning, if you want to guarantee there will be mourning at your memorial, number five, monitor your mouth. Let me tell you something this morning. You don't have to say everything you're thinking. If you ever see me pause up here, it's not because I'm trying to think of something to say. It's because I'm shutting things. I'm rejecting things. You don't have to say everything that you are thinking. You don't have to, you know, to say everything. Amen. You don't have to give people a piece of your mind. Believe me, your mind is small enough without getting rid of some of it. Learn how to think before you speak. Let me give you an acrostic for the word think. Before the next time before you say anything, think before you before you speak. Before you speak. The T in the in the acrostic of think. Ask yourself, is it true? Is what I'm about to say, is it true? Am I 100% certain that what I'm about to say is absolutely the truth, or am I repeating gossip? Is it true? And do I know that it's true? For the H, ask yourself, is it helpful? Is what I'm about to say, is it going to help somebody or will it hinder somebody? For the I in the word think, ask yourself, is it impulsive? Is it impulsive? People tell me, and they've told me many times, preacher, you are really quick-witted. I've had people tell me, man, you you, you give quick, humorous comebacks. You're quick-witted. 95% 95% of the time, that serves me well. But there have been times when I fired something back before I thought, and it might have been funny, and it might have been right on, but it didn't help anybody. It hurt somebody. Proverbs 21 and 23 in the New Living Translation, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) I like it. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. For the end, is it necessary? You see, most of, of what we say would be better off left unsaid. I think a lot of people just speak just because they like to hear the sound of their own voice. Friend, God gave us two ears and only one mouth. That ought to be a clue. Ought to be a clue. For the K this morning, ask yourself, is it kind? 
Is it kind? Friend, who wants to hang around rude, obnoxious, blunt, crude people? Yeah, I'm, I'm rejecting a lot right now. <laughs> Romans 12 and 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. I'm giving you nine tips this morning to assure there will be mourning at your memorial. Number six this morning, model Christianity. Friend, to be a Christian means to be like Christ. To be Christ-like. Our actions ought to resemble the life of Christ. Walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. I'm hurrying this morning. Number seven, maximize people's good points. If you want to make sure there is mourning at your memorial, If you want to make sure that you are endeared to people, that there will be a people that you can associate with, there will be a people that that, that you can be friends with and fellowship with and and that will love you and will mourn your loss, maximize people's good points. Be quick to point out the good points in a person's life. Compliment people on their strengths. Be an encourager. Oh, be an encourager. Romans 14 and 19, let us, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify. The word edify means to build up. I'll never ever forget, I see myself in his backyard right now. He's got paint all over him. I go to see this young man. He's remodeling a house. I'm his pastor. I go to him. We're in need of a young adult Sunday school teacher. And I go to him and I look him in the eye and I call him by name. And I tell him, I said, I need, I need someone to teach the young adult Sunday school class. And, and I believe you could do a great job. And I can see him now. And I can see those tears as they begin to come out of his eyes and literally come down his cheeks. And not just one or two, but a host of tears. And finally, he gets his composure and he looks at me and he says, Pastor, that's the first time in my... He said, I'm 30-something years old. And that's the first time in my entire life when I've ever heard anybody ever tell me they thought I could do anything. He took that class. He did a good job. Later, I helped him get his papers with the Assemblies of God. Later, I helped support him in Papua New Guinea as he went there as a missionary for the Assemblies of God. Maximize people's good points. Be an encourager. It will endear people to you. Number eight, minimize people's faults. Minimize people's faults. Yeah. Minimize people's faults. Nobody's perfect. Not even you. We all have our faults. People who are endearing to others are people who minimize other people's faults. Have you ever spent time around a fault finder? No elbows, please. I said, have you ever spent much time in the presence of a fault finder? It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter who you were talking about or what you were talking about. They could find fault in everything. They just can't wait till they get home to talk about how bad the sermon was this morning. They're constantly picking at this and that and something else and this one and that one and someone else. Have you ever been? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever been around somebody like that? On the other hand, have you ever been around someone who constantly was taking up for people when others were putting them down? 
which one of these two types of people are more enjoyable to be around. And by the way, the person who is always talking about somebody else to you, they're talking about you to somebody else. Matthew 7 and 12 says to do to others whatever you would like for them to do to you. Oh, friend, if we want people to maximize our good points and minimize our faults, then, then that's the way that we ought to treat other people. You see, the law of sowing and reaping works with every kind of harvest. It doesn't matter if you're talking about time. It doesn't matter if you're talking about treasure. It doesn't matter if you're talking about our treatment of others. The law of sowing and reaping works. Well, hey, man, what you sow, you're going to reap back to you. Number nine, and finally this morning, if you want there to be mourning at your memorial. Number nine, mingle often. Mingle often. Walk slowly through the crowd. Take time for people. How many understand that that there's two kinds of people in this world? The first kind of people are those that are, here I am. Five years ago, I jumped off the top one, but I'm. <laughs> Two kinds of people in the world. They come into the room saying, here I am, here I am. All eyes on me. Everybody look on me. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. It's all about me. It's all about me. Let's go where I want to go. Let's do what I want to do. Let's eat what I want to eat. Oh, let's set the thermostat where I want it to be set. Oh, let's set the volume of the sound the way I want it because it's all about me. Here I am. Here I am. Me, me, me. It's all about me. The other kind of person is the person that walks in the room. Well, there you are. There you are. Two kinds of people. It's all about me. Or there you are. 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 I don't know about you this morning, but I want there to be some mega tears shed at my memorial. Unless I'm 112, it'll be okay then. But if I die tomorrow, <laughs> you'll have to have five services to get people in mind. Just, kid, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Kinda. Kinda. Amen. I don't, I don't want to live 54 plus years. Put me in a box. <laughs> Say a few words. Run me out to the cemetery. Lower me down. Throw dirt on me. Go back. Have fried chicken, potato salad. <laughs> Life goes on. And no, I want my life to count. I want my life to count. I want to have a lasting impact. I don't want to just count with you. I want to count all over the world. That's why we promote missions around here. I want the 
the fingerprints of New Bethel to be all over the world. All over the world. All over the world. Jehoram. He lived 40 years, was struck down in the prime of his life, and not one person was sorry that he died. I don't want that said about me. I don't want that said about you. I want to live my life in such a manner, in such a way. And I want to tell you, some of those things that I gave you used to be me. Used to be me. Talk about somebody without mercy and grace. 30 years ago, that was me. Tack their hides against the wall and glad of it. I came up under the old school. One day I fell in love with the one I was preaching about. I've told you this. One day I had a little boy and he came into my arms. And I began to realize I'm this little boy's father and I love him unconditionally. All he knows how to do right now is spit up and poop. And I am so in love with him. Wait a minute. God's my heavenly father. And he probably looks at us and thinks all they ever do is spit up and poop. Just make messes everywhere they go. But he has that unconditional father's heart. Amen. Father, musicians and singers, get back in place. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. Oh, God. Oh, God, we want there to be mourning at our memorial. We don't really want people's heart to be broken. That's really not what I'm saying. But, but we want to have an influence and, and impact people's lives to the place that when we're gone, they're going to miss us. There's going to be a big old void and a big hole that's going to be still there because of the incredible sphere of influence that we had in our lives. Help us, O oh God, to live our lives in such a way, in such a way, O oh God, that we'll have an incredible, incredible legacy to be passed on. And what we have done for you and the way we have lived our lives and the people that we have influenced will live on and on and on and on and on once we are gone. Hallelujah. 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 How many of you are here this morning? Say, Pastor, I, I want there to be some mourning at my memorial. I, I, I want to I leave a lasting legacy. I, I, I want to I touch people's lives. Can I see your hand this morning? Will you, will you really, really help me?